You are listening to a podcast from Influence Church. We hope it encourages and empowers you to make a difference in your world for the kingdom of God. For any more information, visit our website, influencechurch.co.uk. Enjoy the message. Wow, thank you so much. Hey, just before you take your seats, we all know that whenever we gather as believers in Jesus Christ, we have got to exalt the name of Jesus above every other name. So for the next few moments, can we just lift up our voices, clap our hands, make a shot, give Jesus the highest praise in this place. Come on, come on, let's give Jesus the highest praise in this place. Give Jesus the highest praise in this place thank you lord thank you lord thank you lord i I always say this to people i say if you want to really if you want to give jesus an authentic kind of praise you have got to attach your praise to something that he's already done are you with me praise will only have an impact if it is attached to something that god has done And when you praise him for what he has already done, you begin to find and feel a sense of faith rising up an expectation for what he is about to do in your life. If there are things that you're asking God for and you're believing God for, I dare you to praise him for what he's already done. Because as you lift praise from wherever you are, you begin to feel this faith rising up on the inside of you and you can confidently start to believe and expect him to do some amazing things in your life. So come on in. Influence church, I dare you to come back just for a moment. Think about that one thing that Jesus has done for you. I know there's got to be something that he has done for you. And just in the next few seconds, think about it and reflect on it. And just start saying, God, wow, if you hadn't done that for me, where would I be? Are you with me? I need you to take just another few, a couple more seconds. Lord, I thank you for what you did. Wow. I remember two years ago, I remember five years ago, I remember 10 years ago, however long you've got to go back to and get that one thing and say, God, even if it means going back in time a little bit, maybe it was a few years ago, but go back to that place. You know that your back was against the wall. You know that you had no other option. And you know that if it wasn't for Jesus who came through for you at that time, your life would not have been the same. I ask you, Influence Church, go back to that place and begin to lift up a praise and begin to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did for me. Thank you that if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be here right now. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did for me in my finances. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did in my health. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did in my family. Come on, lift up a praise to Jesus in this place. Thank him for what he has done. 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 And I promise you, as you do that regularly in your lives, you'll begin to feel faith. You'll begin to cultivate faith for what you need him to do now and what you're expecting him to do in the future. May the Lord be lifted up in this place. In Jesus' mighty name, and all of God's people said, amen and amen. Grab your seats quickly. Grab your seats quickly. Man, you guys play so well. I feel tempted to keep you here the whole time that I'm speaking. 
Because the way you just play just makes me feel like, yeah, we can keep going. But I'm not going to be mean. I'm going to be kind to you. Let me try, let me try a, a bit of what Rich is doing. Cue music stop. Oh, wow. Power. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Grab a seat. Really appreciate it. Can we give them a round of applause as they take a seat? Brilliant stuff. It's such a great honor and a great privilege to be here with you. I absolutely love and adore your pastors. And yes, everything that he said around the picking up on someone or the bit of bullying, that was coming from him. Let me just clarify, that was definitely coming from him. I was praying in the closet and just praying for grace for him and just saying, Lord, may you just forgive him for every sin that he's committing right now. However, Pastor Gail is lovely as always. Pastor Gail is amazing. She's amazing. It's just him that is the problem. And I pray for you all because he's your senior pastor. Uh, but you know, no, absolutely love and honor them so much. I, I want to quickly jump into the Word of God that I felt the Lord placed in my heart for you as a house, and I pray that you'll lean into it and really expect. I, I love what Pastor Ben said early on. He said, what, what, what are you expecting? You know, what you expect, you, you, you actually receive. It's a kingdom principle. Expectation leads to manifestation, and, 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 and what, you, what shapes your expectation ultimately leads you into what you manifest what happens in your world. So, so that is really, really an encouraging point. And I want to encourage you to, to open your heart, open your mind. I really believe this word is, is key in how God will be moving us forward together today. Amen? Yeah. Let's, go, let's go straight into scripture. Let's go to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Uh, the title of the message for those of you who like, well, actually, hold on a minute. Before I read, would you like to see my family? Yeah. You would, wouldn't you? Oh, thank you. You're very kind. See, I, I, we have four children. My wife and I have four children. Can you just put the picture of my wife up, please? Uh, there she is. That's Charlie. Yes, I know I am punching above my weight. I know. You don't need to remind me. I tell myself every morning when I look in the mirror, I'm like, yeah, God, your grace is amazing. And then the next slide is my two daughters, my first two daughters. There you go. So you've got Malia on the left and then Amaris on the right. And then the next slide is our little boy called Malachi. Hold on a minute. Listen, don't do the ah oh, thing. You do not know the half of it when it comes to that little boy. All right. Let's go to the next one. That's our last one. And that is... Anika, little baby Anika. Now that little person has got my mobile number on tap. She has my number, all right? Anything she wants, she can get, and she has to click her fingers, and I am there to give it to her. Acts chapter 1. Let's go straight into it. Verse 4 to verse 8. Acts chapter 1, verse 4 to verse 8. Uh, as a title, I thought the Lord gave me a, uh, uh, for this message was, Take the stand. Somebody say, say, say with me, take the stand. Take the stand. Take the stand. And you will see why in a minute. Acts chapter 1, verse 4 to verse 8. Uh, actually, even right up to verse 9. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. 
Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. Verse 8, but you shall receive you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. Uh, when we read this scripture, it, it can easily be regarded as one of those last words of Jesus before he ascended into heaven. And you know, like even in, in, in our lives generally, we take particular attention or we pay particular attention to somebody's last words, right? You know, because we all know that when, when someone is, is coming to the end of their life, they, they tend to want to leave something or leave a few words that will probably outlive them. And Jesus is saying something that is very significant in this moment as he is speaking to his disciples, and he's saying, well, listen, for what is about to happen, I need you to pay attention to this truth. Wait in Jerusalem. Something is about to come upon you. Someone is about to come upon you. His name is the Holy Spirit. Now, we have just read that particular scripture, and we got to understand that Jesus is speaking to people that he's spent three and a half years with. He's invested in them. He has taught them. He has spent time with them. And yet he is saying to them, having spent all this time with you, uh, what you're about to go into needs more. Think about this. Jesus is saying, I have spent time with you. I have invested in you. I have taught you. You have seen me do some amazing things. We have done some great things together. But for the assignment that is now coming, you need more. And he says to them, I need you to wait in Jerusalem for the fulfillment of the promise that comes from the Father, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, we sometimes, as churches today, have placed particular attention on discipling people as the end goal. But a disciple, he's speaking to disciples there, by the way, being a disciple is not the end goal. According to the scripture, he is saying, yes, you are disciples. You have been disciples for a few years. But now you're about to be asked to do more. Before you get into the more, you need to wait for the Holy Spirit. Because a disciple plus the Holy Spirit equals a witness. There's a difference between a disciple and a Witness, a disciple literally means a learner, a seeker, someone who imitates what somebody else is doing. That's why every single person who calls themselves a disciple, they're basically emulating or imitating what somebody else has already done. But now when you have a disciple with all this information and then they have the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and they become a witness, a witness is literally somebody who produces credible evidence. We were never asked to just repeat what somebody else said. You can say the same words, but there is no manifestation. Because until you take those words, plus the Holy Spirit, then you are able to speak forth and something happens. 
And Jesus is saying to the disciples, you have taken in a whole bunch of stuff over the last few years, but now you need the Holy Spirit. And when you take what I have given you plus the Holy Spirit, you will now be about to make some damage across the nation. Influence Church, I have news for you. You are being required to take the witness stand. The witness stand is not for disciples only. You can't just be a disciple and say, well, according to the Bible, just that was written over 2,000 years ago. This is what it says. That will not cut it on the witness stand. Because the jury, the people, the local community in the world are not interested in what was written over 2,000 years ago. What they want to see is how that plus the Holy Spirit has impacted your life. Oh, I felt that. How has this word that we've been learning as disciples, plus our commitment and our loyalty and our pursuits of the Holy Spirit, has ultimately transformed our lives? That is what you take to the witness stand. We all know that in courts all over our nation, a case can be won or lost based on evidence. Somebody could be guilty and they will know within their heart that they are guilty. But if there is not enough evidence to, to prove that they are guilty, they could walk away. And they could walk free, yeah? What if in this community, what if in this society and in our nation right now, we have a court case scenario that is unfolding right before our very eyes? And maybe we're actually unaware that we are being required and we've been called to become witnesses that will take the stand and produce evidence. Can I get those two chairs to come onto one side, please, as we just move a little bit more into this? Is this helping somebody? Maybe you've been a, maybe you were a disciple when you walked in, but I want to encourage you and say, listen, that, that, that's not the end goal. It's the disciple plus the Holy Spirit equals witness. He, he, imagine with me for a moment. We are in this court of law called life. On one side, we have a stand where the kingdom of darkness has this ability and commitment to bring evidence that says Jesus is not real. He's just some guy who lived over 2,000 years ago, and that's all there was to him. And yeah, that's it. So, you know. You don't need to follow him. You don't need to believe in him. And even that word the, that, that they call the Bible, that was written over 2,000 years ago. And it doesn't really take any effect now. And there's a real commitment on this particular witness stand to give evidence that would discredit the existence and the power of, of the power and of love of Jesus Christ. A significant commitment. Whilst on the other hand, there is another witness stand designed for the church. And let's just call that church Influence Church. The challenge we have today is, this seat has been found empty so many times. Because what we have is, there's a lot of emphasis on being a disciple. So we are absorbing all kinds of information, but we have very little or no commitment to the pursuit of the Holy Spirit. Because we have forgotten that for the formula to be complete, it is disciple plus the Holy Spirit equals... Can I ask you a question? Could you be called upon to come and take the witness stand? I know we can all be called upon to be disciples, 
Because all we have to do is just share what we have learned. Because a disciple is a learner, a seeker. You're seeking something, you're just learning and you're taking it all in, you're taking it all in. But something happens when you take that and you are committed, you, you connect it to, 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 to this power called the Holy Spirit. You start to see things begin to happen in your life. He says, you shall receive power. That word power simply means an inherent ability to do things. You don't receive that power for you to just feel good about yourself and just enjoy the feeling of power. But when the Holy Spirit empowers you, it's an inherent ability to begin to do some stuff. What stuff? The ability to take the witness stand and say, objection, your honor. I don't agree with what they're saying. They are saying that Jesus was just some figment of our imagination that existed or may, may not have existed over 2,000 years ago. But I'm here as a witness that this Jesus is alive today. And I'm not talking about what I've read in the Bible. Yes, I read my Bible, Your Honor. I enjoy my Bible very much. But everything I've learned from that Bible, plus the existence and the real power of the Holy Spirit in my life right now, has equipped me to take this stand and begin to provide evidence. And here is the evidence, Your Honor. The evidence is this. You were sick and now you are healed. You had lack and now you've got provision. You were bound and now you are free. That doesn't come by just regurgitating what you have read. That comes when you take the rawness of the word and the truth of the word of God and you commit it with this pursuit, this, this obsession with pursuing of the Holy Spirit. And then that leads you into this state of witnessing, being credible evidence. Now, we also know that in the court of law, evidence can be dismissed if it is regarded to be corrupt. What does corrupt evidence look like? At some point, it was evidence in its raw form, but someone somewhere tampered with it to make it say something that he wasn't supposed to say. And I want to say this to you as church, and I think for a lot of us as church, that is the area where things can become a bit messy. You don't have to tweak your story to try and make your story a bit more glamorous. Because there's a reason why your story is your story. Your story has a space at the witness stand. You don't need to make it any more glamorous. Leave it as it is, because when it comes to this scrutiny here, don't, by the way, when you're sat in the witness stand, you are going to get interrogated. The evidence that you will bring will be questioned. So you got to make sure that everything that you are saying is not what you just heard somebody else say. It has got to be something that you have experienced for yourself. Luke chapter 11 puts it this way. He says, hey, you need to consistently and persistently ask for the Holy Spirit. You can't just ask for him every now and then. You've got to persistently ask, hey, Lord, I can't, I can't do this. I can't do this without you. Because without you, it will just become some information that I read many, many years ago that I read every day. But I know that with, with you, Holy Spirit, it becomes living. Ask for the Holy Spirit. Please, whatever you do, don't you dare try and go through life without the Holy Spirit. 
ask for him. Jesus is saying to the guys that he spent time with, he said, look, don't you go anywhere. Wait in Jerusalem. Because after you receive the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, now you can begin. He didn't say, then you continue to be my disciples. He says, when you now have taken the Holy Spirit, your assignment changes now. Your assignment, you, your assignment changes to evidence-bearing assignment. You, you now begin to show evidence wherever you go. Let's go from Jerusalem. Let's go to Judea. Let's go to Samaria. Let's go to the ends of the world. Because every single one of those nations and people needs evidence. Hmm. Persistently ask for the Holy Spirit. Let me, let me read this little phrase to you. It says, our revelation of our need for the Holy Spirit will fuel our persistence in asking for him. I'll say that again. Our revelation of our need for the Holy Spirit will ultimately fuel our persistence in asking for him. Because when you have a revelation and a realization, a moment of realization that, hang on a minute, this is not an additional extra for my life. This is front and center of everything that I am. I need the Holy Spirit. You will not go a day without asking for him. You will keep asking for him because you've had a revelation that without him, everything that you're doing is devoid of the presence and the power of God that is found only through the Holy Spirit. So you cannot ultimately bear evidence. Maybe today some of us need to pray for that revelation. Lord, I just need you to open my eyes to, the, to just the reality of the Holy Spirit in my life. What, what, what does he bring into my life? Because when you see that, you will not dare go a day without asking for him. I want to give you quickly three, three key areas that we need to, that we get from the Holy Spirit, which ultimately help us take the witness stand. Our exposure and our revelation of the Holy Spirit has a way of developing our conviction. That's number one, conviction. See, the thing about conviction is this. You can't Bluetooth your conviction from your spouse. No, can you Bluetooth your conviction from your pastor or your leadership team? When it comes to conviction, it is a first-hand encounter. You can't say, hey, based on what Pastor Ben and Pastor Gail, uh, you know, believe, I I'm going to connect to that. No, mm -mm. it doesn't work that way. You can't Bluetooth conviction. Conviction is based on a first-hand experience and a first-hand encounter. Let me explain using the wonderful world of my family. Four children, all different. <laughs> I just had a moment. <laughs> I'm just, just a moment of, of realizing how crazy my household can be. It just hit me and I was like, whoa, I wasn't expecting that. But my children love shortbread. Any shortbread lovers in the room? All right, that's better, isn't it? My two girls were absolutely obsessed with it. And for a long period of time, they were committed to trying to get my son to get into it as well. But he was just not bothered about it. 
they kept telling him, Malachi, shortbread is yum, yum, yummy. Malachi, shortbread is yummy. Try it. And he could not even be bothered. Until one day. One day, one fateful day. I don't know how they did it, but they managed to just get it into him. <laughs> you know what? If I could get cameras in my house, that could be a reality TV show right there, I'm telling you. They, they, some things that happen in my house are crazy. They managed to get him to taste it. And his world became completely changed from that moment. On one particular occasion, I was in a Zoom meeting. And as I'm in this meeting, this little boy comes into the house, uh, comes into the room, and, and he came up to me and said, Daddy, 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 uh, biscuit, please, biscuit, biscuit. And I'm like, Malachi, wait, I'll get it for you in a minute. Daddy, biscuit, biscuit, please, biscuit. Kai, just one minute. And then he left the room, and I thought, okay, great, good boy, he's listened. Unbeknown to me, this little person has gone to the kitchen now. I heard silence and I'm thinking, what is, you, how many of you parents with young people know, young children know that you're right when there's noise in the house. It's when there is silence in the house where you better get up and get on with it. All right? And I'm hearing this silence. I'm thinking, mm, what's going on? The next thing I heard was a dragging noise. And I'm thinking, what, what, what's happening? Okay, I've been really, I've finished the call. As you know, if you've got young little children in the, in the house, you do not put any snacks on the bottom cupboards. You take them to the highest point that you can. And that's exactly what we have done because we're smart. At least that's what I thought. This little person took this bar stool in our house, dragged it to the front of the cupboard where the snacks, where the shortbread was. It's one of those bar stools with a hydraulic switch on it. He got onto this little stool and he pumped himself up. And then he got onto the worktop and then opened the door to get what? Shortbread biscuit. If you don't believe me, please show them the picture. There he is. Something happened when he had first-hand encounter. His sisters were telling him about how great shortbread is, but until he tasted it for himself, the commitment to drag a bar stool that's heavier than he is and pump himself up to get onto the worktop to just get access to it was birthed from an experience, a first-hand experience. Church, when we have a first-hand experience with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, we will not go without him. You will move whatever you have to move because you know you want some. If little Malachi can do that for shortbread, what are we willing to do for the Holy Spirit? Hmm. You can't Bluetooth conviction. He would never commit to doing anything like that based on what his sisters said. It had to be firsthand. 
You can't do, you can't serve God, you can't be a witness based on what Pastor Ben or Pastor Gail or the leadership team ask you to do. You must have a first-hand encounter with Jesus for you to sit and be a witness. Oh, you need your own experiences. When you ask for the Holy Spirit, sometimes it will be, well, actually, not even sometimes. Every time it's going to be uncomfortable. It will be, but you know you have an assignment. Because you recognize that the moment you take a seat, there's going to be men, men, women, and children, and young people all over the place who are waiting to hear your story. In that moment, you can't say, well, that's for Pastor Ben or Pastor Gail or the leadership team. Because Jesus... didn't just die for them. It includes you, too. Your story. Anyone for the witness stand? The Holy Spirit will develop your conviction. You can't conjure it up. You can't make it up. It's got to be with him. And the other thing, the next thing that you get from the Holy Spirit is that when, you, when he has developed this conviction and you know, like little Malachi, that I will do whatever I have to do, get up there and get them. What the Holy Spirit does next is this. He will also deepen your compassion. He develops conviction. He deepens your compassion. Now, we all know that there are two forms of compassion. You have this human kind of compassion, but actually there's this divine kind of compassion. Human compassion is highly dependent on how we're feeling. Now, if you're anything like me, my compassion levels before coffee. <laughs> After first cup of coffee, maybe the second cup of coffee, here we go, now we're flying. All right, but that's all dependent on how we're feeling. It's, it's feelings-based. It's optional here and there. It's, 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 it's inconsistent. But divine compassion on the other end is very different. Divine compassion is, is, is immovable. And that word, when we read it in Matthew 9 and Matthew 14, it literally talks about being moved on the inside of you. It basically in a way where you can't even ignore it anymore. Have you ever been moved with divine compassion? Where you think, well, I'm going to ignore this situation and, and, I, and I'm going to just go to bed. And when you're going to bed, all you keep seeing is the very situation that you thought you've walked away from so you can ignore it anymore. Why? Because there's a sense of divine compassion that is turning you. That doesn't come on its own. It comes through the Holy Spirit. Because what divine compassion does is this. You remember in Matthew 14 where Jesus uh, had this, this, this experience, the feeding of, of the, you know, at least 5,000. And he says to them, well, <laughs> the disciples came and, says to, and they said to Jesus, hey, you need to send these people away. They need to go somewhere and find food. It's getting dark. That's human compassion. They, they recognized that there was a need and something needed to happen. And they were saying, well, send them away. They need to go and get food. It's been too long. It's been a long day. But in the same conversation, you have Jesus on the other hand. And don't forget, in that moment, he's there and he's saying, well, don't send them anywhere. 
Divine compassion takes responsibility and ownership of a situation. But then watch this. Divine compassion is also this conduit of the supernatural solution of God to come through. A supernatural solution of God doesn't come through just a disciple. A supernatural solution of God comes through a disciple plus empowered of the Holy Spirit who is now a witness. I remember a while ago, um, I was in Doncaster, I took my wife to Doncaster and we've got some friends over there. And as we were there, we, we were about to leave to go back home. And this, this, this family friends of ours uh, lead a church in, in Redford, a little small market town uh, in South Yorkshire. And, and, and they basically said, hey, before you go home, can you just pass through the church and say hi to the people? You know, just say hi to the people and then you guys can go. I was like, okay, fine, that's no problem. We can get to the church. It was an all-night prayer thing. Just the thought of, like, all-night praying? It's like, wow. But we walked into this room, and I found a little spot to pray, and I was just there, and I was praying. And, and, and to the left of me was, was a loud scream, a, a child's scream. Now, we know, you know, the, the, the levels to children crying there is a, a whinging kind of level where you can just sort of, in my household, I've learned how to block that out. <laughs> that doesn't bother me anymore. Like, I'm not even, I'm not even there. You, you, yeah. From whinging level, you go up another level where there is like a sudden attention-seeking crying, right? Where they're like, you know, just, where it's like they're crying somewhere and they're going, and they're looking at you like, listen, I just need you to, I need your attention right now. That's another level. But this crying that I heard was a cry of distress. And I'm thinking, this is not normal. And when I opened my eyes, what I saw really terrified me. It broke me. And I must say, that was probably one of the very few times where I shifted from human compassion straight into divine compassion. Put the picture up of that little boy, please. <clears throat> I looked at that boy, and I remember saying, God, you need to do something. And I remember hearing him back saying, I did. I have already done it. And I said, no, Lord, I mean, seriously, come on, Lord. You need to do something. And then he said, yeah, I did. That's why I orchestrated for you to come here. And I said, well, okay, I'll pray from where I am. Lord, I just pray that you do something. And he said, he stopped me right in my tracks. And he said, son... That's not what I mean. It's the time now to take the stand. You don't give evidence as a witness hiding away somewhere and just be like, yeah, you know, if, if, if it works, then I'll come out and be like, yeah, come on. But just in case it doesn't, at least no one will know that it was me. 
And I remember coming, battling with the Lord again. I said, well, you know, if it's really you, do you, do you, have you ever had those moments where you know it's him? But you want to try and negotiate your way out of it. And you're like, well, but if it's really, really, really you, I need you to, to create an opportunity for this to happen. And the moment I finished saying that to him, the guy at the front just basically said, hey, guys, I'm sorry to interrupt you for a little while, but, but we've got Pastor Meshach in the house, and, and we'd just like to invite him to come to the front and, and just say a few words to the church. And in that moment, I remember saying, oh, no. Because I knew that the seat is now ready. And can I be honest with you? Can I be vulnerable? I didn't want to sit and I didn't want to sit in that seat. Human compassion can be swayed, can be absolutely obliterated by self-preservation. The only antidote to self-preservation is divine compassion. Our society right now has gone way past human compassion. There is a desperation for a people who are empowered in the truth of the word of God, empowered of the Holy Spirit, who are willing to be witnesses, to come and be moved with divine compassion. I went up to the front. That was the longest walk ever. Went up to the front took the microphone and I just started praying. And as I was praying, I could hear this cry get closer and closer and closer to me from the right side. And when I opened my eyes, I saw this young mom with hopelessness written all over her. And you can imagine why. And this little boy's right there. And for the first time, my eyes were opened to divine compassion. Let me tell you something. Divine compassion allows you to see things as they should be. And then your responsibility becomes calling out what you see. Hmm. I'll say that again. Eyes of divine compassion have the ability to enable you to see things as they should be. So if somebody is unwell, you can start to see them well. And what you're simply now doing is calling forth oh god help me with this sometimes our prayers are just like a you know scattergun strategy and all we need in some moments is eyes of divine compassion because once you can see it you can begin to call it forth but that doesn't happen if you're not a disciple empowered in the holy spirit anchored in the Holy Spirit because it is the Holy Spirit who opens your eyes to divine compassion. I looked at this little boy and I thought, my God, my Lord, you got to do something. And I did stuff that I never thought I would ever do because in that moment I took, I took anointing oil and I put it in my hands and I prayed and I touched this little boy and I prayed for him and my hands were full of blood and nothing happened. I left the platform, I ran out to the toilet, washed my hands, took my wife, got in the car, we drove off home and we left. Just left. And I remember telling her, I was, I, I was mad. I was absolutely mad. I said, God, how dare you put me in that position? 
What was happening in that moment? Self-preservation was being broken. Being broken, completely dismantled. Unbeknown to me, seven days later, a message came through my phone. It had no words, nothing attached to it. It was just a picture, and that was it. And here's the picture that came up. Come on, praise Jesus. I know we're celebrating, but you see, for me, it's not quite a clean-cut celebration. For me, it's also a reminder of self-preservation. I was willing, I can be honest with you, I was willing to let that boy remain in pain. I was going to leave him. I was going to walk away from him. And yet in the plans and purposes of God, the plan was for him to have a collision with this other guy who is going to come and be the conduit or rather be the witness that would enable his healing to come. But I was only willing to go as far as human compassion and feel sorry for him and just hope that somebody else would do something. And yet in that very moment, God is saying, can I call on you to take the stand? And I wonder today, that little boy is called Miles. And I wonder today, how many little miles have you walked past? Because self-preservation has just got the better of you and said, well, somebody else is going to do that. And right now the Lord is saying, I, I need a disciple who is empowered in the spirit and is willing to become my witness and take the stand. The amazing thing about this is this. If you can still take the stand and people still see you, you have not died yet. When you really have gone through those three stages, by the time you get to the seat, they don't see you anymore. They just see him. They don't see you anymore. They see him. They see his love. They see his power. They see his mercy. And they also see the fact that you have been a beneficiary of the very same. That's why you can't jump a process. That's why you have to develop conviction, first-hand encounter, deepen compassion. And the last one will be this. Where after those two, you'll be deployed into the commission. You can't go, see, a lot of us are quick to get to the third one. And this is why we quickly give up. We're like, I can't do this anymore. This is hard. You're right, it is hard because you haven't yet developed, you haven't, you haven't yet allowed the Holy Spirit to develop your conviction and deepen your compassion. This process is key because you will not walk away. You won't. And then you can be deployed into this great commission that we read of in Matthew 28. 
But this is the last bit. We know we're commissioned to do it. We have this authority that's been given to us. All of those things are there, but there are two other processes that we've got to go through. May we all stand together, please. As I said, meanwhile, on this side, there's always somebody in this seat, always. Because there's always some kind of accusation that has been brought from this seat, always, always. Something to discredit the existence of the, existence of the power and the love of Jesus, some sort, in some way, there's always somebody here from the kingdom of darkness. But unfortunately, sometimes that seat can be found empty. But I am praying and believing that today, that today, something is being stirred up in your heart and in my heart that says no longer shall there be this seat standing around, sitting around empty with nobody in it. In actual fact, can I have a few of you come up here quickly, please? Just, just come, just come. It's okay. Anybody? Come, 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 come. In actual fact, what is about to happen in Richmond, what is about to happen in, 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 in Influence Church, come on, more people. I need more people to come up, more people. What is literally about to happen prophetically is this. Whilst one is taking a stand, you have others waiting and saying, hey, come on, can you, can you finish, please? Can you finish giving the evidence? Because we are all waiting. Come on, you, you, come on. Somebody else has come up and they're ready because the Lord knows that in Influence Church, come on, get out of the seat. Somebody else is coming because the evidence is there. Come on, get out, get out, come on, get, get in there, get in there. Somebody, that's enough, come on, somebody else, somebody else. All of this is available to you. Because there's no time, come on, take a seat, take a seat. Whilst an accusation is still being raised here, Get out of that seat, boy. <laughs> Whilst evidence is being brought to this side, there's a queue of influence church. Oh. I ask again, are you willing? <laughs> are you willing? Take the stand. <sighs> I want to pray now. I can't lay hands on people or anything like that, but because I don't think this is the kind of message for laying hands on anybody. This is, this is a you transaction. This is a you and him transaction. Well, you're saying, Lord, you know, <laughs> I've been in this disciple mode for a lot. I read my Bible every day, and, and that's fantastic. But actually, maybe I've not really been persistently asking for the Holy Spirit. But something is stirred up in my heart now, and I'm committed, I'm recommitting to this beautiful pursuit of the Holy Spirit. And because I understand that when that happens, I, I, I become credible evidence to Jesus Christ. So with, left, with hands lifted up, I want to pray. And as I finish praying, you got to keep praying for yourself. I can't do this bit for you. That, that, this is you and him. Lord, I thank you that in this house, you are raising witnesses who are willing to take the stand 
and produce credible evidence to the existence, the love, the power of Jesus across this nation. Lord, I thank you that even in towns, we read in scripture, several towns that were transformed because something happened. God, I prophesy that through this house, you will do something significant across this whole town that will bring reverberations across the nation, that people will talk about the witnesses that are rising from this place who are deepened and developed in their conviction deepened and developed in their compassion and deepened and committed to the commission. God, I pray, let it be in Jesus' mighty name. And all of God's people said, Amen and Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Influence Church. For any more information, visit our website, influencechurch.co.uk Influence Church, empowering you to make a difference in your world for the kingdom of God.